Chapter 7 Applying the Ninth Commandment From the Ideals of Theodore Roosevelt by Edward H. Cotton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The cardinal sin of the public man is theft. The cardinal sin of the public writer is mendacity. I abhor a thief, and I abhor a liar as much as I abhor a thief. I abhor the assassin who tries to kill a man. I abhor almost equally the assassin of that man's character. From Shaping of Public Opinion and the Ninth Commandment Chapter 7 Applying the Ninth Commandment Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Mr. Roosevelt considered the Eighth and Ninth Commandments particularly applicable to public conditions, for one commanded the honest hand, while the other commanded the honest tongue. If there was one person more than another for whom he felt profound contempt, it was the person with the forked tongue. He himself was the soul of candor. He would not dissimulate. What he had to say to an individual, he said to him direct and face to face in his fight for a clean state he ran counter to numbers of men who were expert in trimming their sails to meet the prevailing wind these men cared not what they did nor for whom they worked provided the price paid was large enough may twelfth nineteen hundred he published in the outlook an article which he called the eighth and ninth commandments in politics in which he explained how gravely those endanger the country who bear false witness against the honest man in that article he wrote liar is just as ugly a word as thief because it implies the presence of just as ugly a sin in the one case as in the other if a man lies under oath or procures the lie of another under oath if he perjures himself or suborns perjury he is guilty under the statute law under the higher law under the great law of morality and righteousness he is precisely as guilty if instead of lying in a court he lies in a newspaper or on the stump and in all probability the evil effects of his conduct are infinitely more widespread and more pernicious the difference between perjury and mendacity is not in the least one of morals or ethics it is simply one of legal forms he found plenty of invective for editors reformers and clergymen who assailed men in conditions without proper knowledge of the facts criticism was needed but the critic should remain silent unless he was assured that his criticism was truthful it is quite as important not to tell an untruth about a decent man as it is to tell the truth about one who is not decent when a certain newspaper reporter hit upon the name ananias club Mr. Roosevelt eagerly seized upon it for cataloguing those shifty individuals who misrepresented facts. The club served to put them where they belonged and to reveal their exact status to the country. The name especially appealed to him on account of his intimate knowledge of the Bible, where the mendacity of Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, is recorded. The instance is recorded in the fifth chapter of Acts, where the two conspired to hold back from the apostles Peter and John part of the price of the land they had bought, representing it as the whole. Hence, the Ananias Club was an excellent organization into which to put modern deceivers, men who could not be depended on to tell the truth or to represent the exact facts against one's neighbor. 
he thought it would be well for writers and speakers to keep in mind the comment of Puddinhead wilson who said that while there were nine hundred and ninety-nine kinds of falsehood the only kind specifically condemned in scripture just as murder theft and adultery are condemned was bearing false witness against one's neighbor the ananias club rapidly became famous the country delighted in it roosevelt took an immense delight in adding to the membership and secretly not a little satisfaction in getting before the country the names of false-hearted men who had long and bitterly opposed his policy of reform he may have assigned persons to membership who did not deserve the notoriety roosevelt was not a paragon of patience when opposition from individuals he considered in the wrong was concerned he had intensely human qualities which were at once his strength and his weakness he spoke as he felt with impetuous fervor a number of times in his career notably when he endorsed the ananias club following the organization of the progressive party and after the sinking of the lusitania he spoke and wrote with a bitter invective that made him many enemies and seriously impaired his influence in the estimation of a number of good people as a matter of fact his attitude in these instances was proof of his honesty other persons feel and dissimulate or remain silent through policy roosevelt felt and spoke his convictions though he must have known the result for no man understood better how public opinion shapes itself his enemies charged him with a long list of shortcomings no one of them however at any time accused him of being a hypocrite his wide-open honesty of purpose was too evident roosevelt originated the term muckraker using the phrase first in an address given march seventeenth nineteen o six at a dinner prepared by speaker cannon for the gridiron club in washington he took the figure from pilgrim's progress where is described the man with the muckrake who would not look up to take the celestial crown offered him but kept his eyes on the filth he was raking up newspapers and magazines at the time when the roosevelt publicity method was uncovering an unbelievable amount of corruption and special privilege in high places made much of the opportunity and printed articles that reeked with sensational discovery of malfeasance in high places roosevelt at once went to the heart of the matter he said muckrakers who rake up much that ought to be raked up deserve well of the community and the magazines and the newspapers which publish their writings do a public service but they must write the truth and the service they do must be real the type of magazine i condemn is what may be called the ananias muckraker type no paper bought and sold by the special interests can be viler or can play a more contemptible part in american politics than the ananias muckraker type of magazine the type of magazine where the proprietor editor and writer seek to earn their livelihood by telling what they know to be scandalous falsehoods about honest men he objected chiefly to that kind of writing because it confused the public mind to accuse an honest man of dishonesty encourages rogues and prevents decent citizens from distinguishing the true attack from the false by and by the average citizen distrusts all public servants becomes disheartened and ceases to believe an honest efficient government possible speaking after a political experience of thirty years 
during which period he had not only every opportunity for observation but the disposition and the mental balance to draw correct conclusions he said that if he were to name three evils against which the nation should war most relentlessly he would name dishonesty lawless violence untruthfulness and mendacity especially that kind of mendacity that took the form of slander in this connection he remarked for thirty years i have striven so far as the power was given me to fight for the cause of decency and i feel that the greatest drawback in any such struggle is the man who consistently speaks what is not true until he misleads the public so that they cannot tell the true from the false he had suffered severely from writers who had not understood his motives and who had misrepresented the cause for which he contended and therefore was familiar with the immense power for harm possessed by these men on more than one occasion he forcefully expressed himself in this particular the influence wielded by newspapers and popular magazines is enormous and in proportion to their influence publishers editors writers and reporters should consider themselves public servants and as such quote, only exact fact they should spend themselves finding the truth for it is what they write that determines public opinion he heartily condemned that paper or magazine which sought to sell as many copies as possible and that only that gave the public what it wanted whether truth or falsehood the first requisite of the person who writes should be honesty he should not hesitate to tell the entire truth however unpopular his ideal newspaper man or editor applies so well that we shall quote it he included the description in an address on the public press given before the milwaukee press club september seven nineteen ten the highest type of newspaper man ought to try to put his business above all other businesses the editor who stands as a judge in a community should be one of the men to whom you would expect to look up because his function as an editor makes him a more important man than the average merchant the average business man or the average professional man can be he wields great influence and he cannot escape the responsibility of wielding it if he wields it well honor is his beyond the honor that comes to the average man who does well if he wields it ill shame should be his beyond the shame that comes to the average man who does ill and what i say of the editor applies to every man who writes for a newspaper or a magazine or who is connected with it in any capacity one of the achievements of the roosevelt administration was the passing of the pure food and drugs act the act was persistently opposed by a large number of merchants who were making fortunes by illicit sales of adulterated products chiefly foods these merchants sold goods by means of a deceptive label that misrepresented the contents of the package since the adulterated food men advertised heavily in newspapers and magazines papers and magazines carrying their advertisements threw in the great weight of their opposition in fact opposition was so well entrenched that six years passed before the bill became law on the same principle that false witness should not prevail in high places roosevelt prosecuted vigorously other malefactor corporations scandalous abuses were practiced in the large meat-packing houses of chicago and other cities 
despite bitter opposition from the packers and their satellites a good meat investigation law was framed and passed he stopped flagrant corruption by the railroads by abolishing the pernicious system of rebates and by favoring the passage of the hepburn bill which gave the interstate commerce commission control over the railroads he uncovered frauds perpetrated by the great american refining company the sugar trust punished the criminals and restored to the united states treasury four million dollars stolen by the trust through a system of short weights charles r heike secretary and treasurer of the sugar trust was convicted and sentenced to prison about the same time charles w morse a prominent new york banker was convicted of fraudulent handling of the people's money and likewise sentenced both these men due to the influence of their position were able to get commutation of their sentences in view of this and influenced by the fact that several of their subordinates who had been associated with the big criminals were obliged to serve out their term in jail roosevelt wrote his opinion of condoning the evil deeds of powerful men every time a big money defender who naturally excites interest and sympathy and who has many friends is excused from serving a sentence which a man of less prominence and fewer friends would have to serve justice is discredited in the eyes of the plain people and to undermine faith in justice is to strike at the foundation of the republic roosevelt attacked slander and misrepresentation however powerful and high-placed the factor that was practicing it the new york herald one of the largest and wealthiest papers in the country owned and edited by james gordon bennett was found to be carrying a personal column of villainous character at roosevelt's order district attorney harry stimson sued james gordon bennett for violation of the law that prohibited circulation of obscene literature through the mails mr bennett was living at the time in paris and every effort was made to enable him to conduct his case from that city even the friendship of the herald was offered mr roosevelt but the law declared that the accused must appear in person to answer to a criminal charge and the prosecution made the law apply to mr bennett as it would have made it apply to an unknown defendant mr bennett eventually crossed the ocean and was sentenced by the court to pay a fine of thirty thousand dollars the obnoxious personal column disappeared from the herald but roosevelt thereafter was relentlessly pursued in the columns of that paper the other new york papers had excluded all mention of the trial save one obscure notice in consequence the public does not know to-day why the herald under bennett pursued the roosevelt administration with such persistent virulent opposition the belief has prevailed quite widely that roosevelt was a party man and that he was a shrewd politician listen to his own statement in regard to the matter a statement he bore out more than once to the letter i ask you whatever your politics may be to be non-partisan when the question of honesty is involved a certain type of big corrupt corporation cares nothing whatever for political parties when its interests are at stake and labor unions of the same type act in the same fashion i ask the people in their turn to pay no heed to parties when the great fundamental issues of honest and decency as against dishonesty and indecency are involved only let them act in the reverse way from the corporations and unions in question 
when it comes to the question of a crook i will respect party feeling to just this extent if there are two crooks one of my party and one of another party i will cinch the crook of my party first because i feel a shade more responsible for him it must be evident that roosevelt faced continually grave and critical periods in his application of the ninth commandment and faced along with them the human tendency to indecision and non-action excuses can usually be found for refusing to assume risks that carry with them certain censure and determined opposition roosevelt's idea of action in such instances is thus revealed if the man is worth his salt he will do his duty he will give the people the benefit of the doubt and act in any way which their interests demand and which is not affirmatively prohibited by law unheeding the likelihood that he himself when the crisis is over and the danger past will be assailed for what he has done in an address he delivered before the pacific theological seminary in september nineteen eleven he appealed for honesty in public life as follows to all good citizens i make the appeal to stand for honesty in public life and to stand for the creation of an opinion which shall demand truth and decency in the press and the magazines do what you can by private effort but especially by organized effort and by pressure upon those who are your representatives to bring about the day when the man who wilfully misleads the public and wilfully lies to the public on any question of interest to the public shall be amenable if possible to the law if not to the force of public opinion exactly as if he were a malefactor of any other kind in roosevelt's estimation the chief offence of the public man was theft and that of the public writer mendacity the infamy of the creature who tries to assassinate an upright and honest public servant doing his duty he said once is no greater than the infamy of the creature who tries to assassinate an honest man's character in his judgment the two cardinal points for voting citizens were thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor multitudes of men break these moral laws and escape human law because they are adroit but in the eyes of the higher justice they are equally as culpable as their more foolish brethren who get into the penitentiary we can afford to differ on the currency the tariff the foreign policy but we cannot afford to differ on the question of honesty if we expect our republic permanently to endure honesty in itself of quite evident importance is not enough public servants must have the courage and wisdom to enforce unpopular measures honesty is not salvation for weaklings and cowards slander perversion of truth and dishonest manipulation of funds had small chance while mr roosevelt was president he was at all times a defender of public righteousness it is a good old principle to act upon in the long run he declared that the most uncomfortable truth is a safer travelling companion than the pleasantest falsehood he based his attitude on an ancient and wise code and he could not have had a better justification end of chapter seven applying the ninth commandment from the ideals of theodore roosevelt by edward h cotton